Dante is a really smart guy. Ladies love Dante. Dante Greco. Dante was me, yours truly. I'm gonna come. Hello, America. Welcome to the Dante Greco Show. We're back live on a Wednesday, I believe. Did a, uh, an interview yesterday with Shooky International. It was huge. Maybe we'll talk about it on this show today. But really, I want to welcome my guest. First time on the show, Joe Andaloro, TMZ, ex-TMZ, veteran, legend of the, uh, you know, the mid, what what is that? The teens? We call it the teens in terms was- of the years, the teens content gathering. Yeah, the teens. It was the golden era of uh, TMZ. That's for sure. That's right. He preceded me at TMZ. I came in. He was already a well-established figure, but we worked together for about 10 years. 10 years. And you were there no less than a year later after I had uh, landed. Uh, I believe the first story I covered immediately off the bat was uh, Whitney Houston's death. And that was incredible. I mean, to cover. It was a riveting because it all took place here in Los Angeles. Right. What was that like? Where'd you have to go? Uh, sadly, the morgue. Oh, I was God. at the morgue, and there was quite the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, was there. Back, but, in, uh, back in the day when we used to actually have to go to the morgue and the hospital. Right, right. And it was comfortable being around actual mainstream media as opposed to, you know, um, you know batshit crazy uh, paparazzi. Yeah. God, that was the word. Yeah. I don't know. I remember I remember like in my first year, Sylvester Stallone's son died and I had to go up to the, you know, some intersection up cold water and mm-hmm. kind of set up. But it was nice. You had the other media there when the other media was flanking you. You felt a little like you could hide. You didn't have to be so because a lot of times we always had this exclusive um, I guess you could say info. I'm, I'm always trying to think about what I'm allowed to say and not say. But there was always some kind of exclusive information that would put us somewhere alone to get a shot. And it was extremely uncomfortable, you know, when someone had just died or or someone was coming out of jail. Yeah, it seemed we were always on the first on the scene. It, it was it was based on just intelligence like they were they are or were an intelligence agency, apparently. I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt it like I was a CIA operative for celebrity media. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I can't. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't have any, uh, you know, special info, but myself. But like, they people say that about the media that the government does dip their hand into uh, several media well, apparatus. Isn't it apparent that, that the? Isn't it apparent that the media outlets, the mainstream ones, are arms of the government? I mean, Fox is this, you know, right-winged establishment, and CNN is obviously an arm of the Democratic Party, so it seems, you know. Right. It seems like their agendas. There's not really any, like, unbiased media in the mainstream, it seems like. There's always some kind of political affiliation with these narratives. It's become so opinion-based, you know. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that's why on my show I try to be actively non-political i'll talk about political stories but i don't want to make it like you know i'm tuning into that democrats show to hear about how trump was a bad guy today you know it's smart it's smart it's so 
the hyper partisan nature of the political, you know, climate right now, it's just, you know, it's so divisive. You know, you, you kind of got to be just let's just tell the facts and give our opinions, but not be political. So you had some great clips during your days in T at TMZ. Uh, one that always stood out was you and Snoop Dogg. Um, when you you rapped for him. Yeah, you know, I've been rapping since I was like in fourth grade, you know, with these little karaoke machines. And I just always emulated rappers and mm -hmm. growing up in, you know, the south side of Chicago during the golden era of hip hop. And I was obsessed with that was our social media going to the record store, you know, and buying a tape, you know, and then popping it in. And there'd be an instrumental on the B side. And I was just constantly rapping. So I mimicked uh, Snoop Dogg's voice pretty good. And um yeah, I had the opportunity, and our uh, our great friend, Andrew Capacetti, urged me to rap for Snoop. You know, there was no other, you know, what other question I was going to ask him, you know, like, oh, what do you think about Takashi 6ix9ine's, like, you know, instead of doing that, I just took over the back of the Jimmy Kimmel entrance, where, you know, he was bombarded with a gauntlet of graphers and paps, and I just, I had a speaker that was Capacetti's. And I just took the instrumental, Spotify right there, Bluetooth, bada, 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 nothing but a G thing, baby. And I rapped it for him and he was impressed and he, he filmed me and, you know, I got to do the same thing with Vanilla Ice as well, my idol. Oh, nice. Yeah. How, where, where was that? That was at LAX. And what brought me to rap for him, there's a song called Hooked. It's a un kind of it's a gem of a song it's not one of his main you know mainstream you know songs but it's off to the extreme his uh his multi-platinum uh album and uh, i just start. it's one of his unknowns relatively so i just started rapping that and of course he started rapping back and forth and we started tit for tat with the lyrics and um when i was in fifth grade i was obsessed so much with uh vanilla ice that i called the hotline there was a vanilla ice hotline and I called it. It was a 1-800 number, and it cost like $2.99 per minute. And the more you called, the more you called, and you did some kind of trivia, you would get points every time. Uh, and then if you reached a certain amount of points, you became an, a member of VIP Posse, Vanilla Ice's Posse. And I never got it, but I, my mom got a bill for 500 bucks. Oh, my and God. Yeah, yeah. I was in big trouble. Big trouble. I hope did you ever think of filing a lawsuit against the vanilla ice? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like, no, my mom did. My mom filed a lawsuit against me. The, you know. Yeah. If you could Jesus. spend five hundred dollars on the vanilla ice uh, fan club phone number and not make his posse, that's that's a crime. Never made the posse. You know, my mom was a a, a high school special ed teacher making thirteen thousand a year in East Chicago, Indiana. So it really, it hindered that week's uh, groceries. Fuck! You should have asked him for it at LAX. Should have been like, dude. Yeah, but he did I, make me. He did make me a, a member after rapping "Hooked." I'm surprised that he remembered the song. Just because, like, if you asked me about an interview that I did, I'd be like, I don't know if I did it. I can't remember. It was, you know, like from like when I first started, I wouldn't remember to remember an obscure Vanilla Ice song and but and your Vanilla Ice. Um, do you think he wants to put that all behind him, or is he? I've never interviewed him and i haven't kept up too much on what he's been up to does he like to put behind the whole vanilla ice to put it behind him or does he embrace it this is why 
I still idolize him because of who he is today. He didn't run from it. He ran from that image for years, but now he embraces it because that was such a great era. And he is actually a very underrated rapper performer. He's uh-huh. a, he's not the greatest lyricist, but he's an incredible, you know, the way he orates. He's He, he was a great rapper. And had he gone to death row, who knows? He might have been a, you know, an Eminem type. But, uh-huh. you know, Arsenio Hall killed him. Arsenio Hall, he went on Arsenio. And if you've seen that segment, that was the end of uh, Vanilla Ice. We all saw it. It was a public slaughter. Yeah. Well, it was tough to be the white rapper back then. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he came before Eminem, of course, and Paul Wall. Uh, and, uh, well, no, you know who else came out? Who was that guy? Informer? Yeah, Snow. Snow was a captivating artist, and I, I actually, he became a huge legend in Jamaica. And to this day, in dancehall reggaeton, he's still iconized. They love him in Jamaica, because that's where he went when he was kind of exiled from the music industry here uh, for being a joke. But he's actually, he had a really good career. Wow. Is he, he still lives down there, probably. Yeah, he does. And he still he, probably sells out dance halls. Jesus Christ. That's incredible. Talented guy. If you listen to the, the way he scat on record, it was pretty pretty damn talented. Were you an MC Hammer guy? I was until Vanilla hit the scene. Uh, you know, I mean, I was super hammered out. And then Hammer became kind of obsolete once Vanilla just... That was all in fifth grade. This was 1990. Yeah. And then, damn, you know, please Hammer don't hurt him. Was a, the tape that was constantly playing became obsolete once Vanilla hit, and then I just I had lines in my hair and was obsessed. Apparently, MC Hammer went on to become like a crypto millionaire. Did he really? At least he was a couple of years ago. Nowadays, with the crypto market, who knows if he's even still alive with what's been happening? But um, he did find some success later on. Hopefully he got out while the you know because those people that hit the jackpot got out cashed out those people you know that they won the lottery but if they held on to it my god yeah I don't know I don't know uh, speaking you said you got Snoop Dogg in Jimmy Kimmel's alley that's got to be the worst place in America anybody who isn't a a, a, a you know experienced TMZ camera person or a paparazzi or an autograph. You haven't experienced the hell that's Jimmy Kimmel's alley. All the weirdest people <laughs> on Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood it's Boulevard bizarre. itself is is awful. Uh, hold bizarre. on, I'm getting a call from Andrew Capacetti. One second, one second. Let me let me let me Let's see what see he's what he doing. Wants. Um. Okay, I think he's in the field. I wonder if he's calling in. Yeah. Capuchetti, he's a guy who used to work with us. He probably doesn't even want us using his name, but he called during the show, so fuck him. Uh, <laughs> he, he's now the head of uh, Inside, the executive producer of Inside Fighting, which if you're into MMA and boxing and, and just sports in general, you want to be following Inside Fighting. Yeah, and he's he's a genius, you know, not, not an idiot savant, like what they're calling Kanye which Kanye yeah. is obviously not a freaking genius. You know, Let's talk about that. You want to get into well, that now? Well, first of all, you, you said you grew up in the south side of Chicago. Uh, what gang were you in? And then also, did you ever see Kanye? Because he's from the same area, right? Uh, yeah, I've heard rumors that Kanye was at, around the Woodmar Mall. 
this was Hammond, Indiana, East Chicago, Indiana area. It's Northwest Indiana in between Gary and the South side. Uh, Kanye apparently used to go to Woodmar mall, according to our security guard, our lead security guard, uh, William Turner said that he saw Kanye in my neighborhood. Um, you know, uh, not a not a big Kanye fan. Never was. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I heard your commentary. I think his lyrics are childish. And um, I met him on a plane. Um, I got injured in Italy one summer. This is like the summer of 2008. And I was a, a PA on Dancing with the Stars. So uh, I did a lot of audience work. So I would like basically escort VIP audience members into live studio shows like Dancing with the Stars, American Idol. I did a lot of that work. And so during the summer, I went to Italy and I, I had like severed my toe on some coral reef in Italy. And I had to kind of fly back with this toe injury. And I sat in the middle seat in the in coach. And I had... Uh, while on the flight, I thought to myself, man, I wish I was like, you know, the entourage uh, situation where uh, Kanye West, there's a there's a entourage episode where they they miss their flight and Kanye oh, yeah. flies them private. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I was on Kanye. So I wish I was, uh, you know, Adrian Grenier to go, you know, <laughs> fly back, you know, but I was sitting for, you know, 10 hours, you know, in in, in the bitch seat with right. my foot like this. And I get off at LAX and at baggage claim, Kanye West was at baggage claim. He had been on my flight and he was wearing all this Louis Vuitton. He was with a really weird, wiry guy dressed in Louis Vuitton, you know, kind of androgynous looking dude. And um, I had a Chicago Bulls duffel bag. That's what I've traveled with. And I pick it. I, I made sure I sit right, got right next to Kanye. He had his hood on and I pick it up and I show him the Chicago. And he goes, Chicago like that. And so I started talking to him and telling him about my toe injury because that was like, hey, man, you know, I severed my damn toe in Italy. And he's like, I've never been to Italy. And I said, well, you know, you're an artsy guy. You should go to Florence. That's the mecca of all, you know, Renaissance art. You would love it there. Screw Paris. You know, I've been to Paris. It's not all that. It's all right. But it's no Florence, Italy. He ended up getting married in Florence. So he, wow. yeah, Kanye got married because of my advice. <laughs> so this was in 2008, right after his mom died. And I told him, you know, I, I, I buttered his muffin and I said, you're, uh, you and Andre 3000 are my favorite rappers, which it was a lie. And he said, well, it's an honor to be, you know, uttered in the same sentence as Andre 3000. And I was like, cool, you know, and then, um, long story short, uh, I did that audience work and I used to work the AMAs, the American music awards every year. And I got to pick, I got seniority. So I used to pick which celebrity I wanted to escort, mm -hmm. you know, through the, through the girl that was in charge of it. She goes, which, who do you want? And I was like, I want Kanye this year. Cause I just met him on the plane. So I, you know, escorted him all through the VMAs or the AMAs. And this is why, I, this is right when 808 and Heartbreaks came out. That album was genius. It was a really good, you know, um, musical production you know it's got a lot of good sounds but he had a, a he was with these guys a team of tech whizzed nerds sitting on macbooks producing music around him and these are like wiry weird guys that like look like you know did they look seen, yeah they look like nick fuentes because maybe he's just into that type of guy 
I mean, this was, yeah, they actually kind of did, but with a little more of that uh, club scene look, like from, you know, um, the 80s. You, know, uh, like, you ever see the movie Kids when they go to the rave? Oh, God. Yeah, they uh, looked like that. They were just weird, high fashion, but they were like, so, you know, maybe Kanye's production team, you know, is to, to you know, credit for his musical genius, because he obviously is not bright at all. I mean, you know? here's my theory of Kanye crediting for his musical genius is the people that originally wrote the songs. Here's Nick Fuentes, by the way, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. Uh, does that look like who Kanye was with that day? It kind of does, actually. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that guy's haggard looking. Yeah, no, I mean, when for, you're for a, 24 years old. When you're a Nazi, it's uh, it's rough. Uh, <laughs> Kanye always to me first of all what annoyed me the music okay he's a great repurposer of music that's already been written that's already a hit uh you know he he elevated the sample game to a point you know if you were a hip-hop fan 20 years ago he kind of started that whole soul sped up soul sample thing which was cool right. but he got way more credit than he deserved uh he's just a force of personality and his lyrics have always been pedestrian in my opinion, you know, like he, what was that song he did with Rihanna and Paul McCartney? He's like, I woke up an optimist and now I'm a pessimist. Just like, how could you put that out? That's yeah. first draft shit. His lyrics right. are first draft shit. So I always thought he got way more credit. He just wasn't as crazy. Like you said, you met him in 2008. I met him a few times over the years too. I think I met him once uh, I used to work for a valet company while I was going to Pepperdine Law School during the day. And then um, I, I met him and he was cool. He was normal. I was surprised at how tiny he was. He's a very little man, but whatever. And then I interviewed him maybe a couple times in the first years with TMZ or, or just saw him, not even interviewed him. And then it was when he went with Kim within six months, he cracked under all that pressure. And uh also his mom dying in 2007 i think really kicked the whole thing off that that kind of like broke him mentally which is understandable yeah but you know that happens to people and they don't wind up praising hitler on alex jones which is something i want to talk about as well because alex responded to that uh, i don't know if you got a chance to see this clip joe did you play it <laughs> all right um by the way, Alex Jones going through his own troubles with that lawsuit. He, I know he's filed for bankruptcy, but like, can you get out of a bankruptcy for a, a judgment? Do you know anything about that? I, I don't. I just can't imagine how much in the hole you'd be. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I forget. I mean, the law, the law training that I got at Pepperdine is not. Uh, I'm forgetting it right now. But okay. So let, this is Alex on the Steven Crowder show. Steven Crowder is a conservative talk show host. And Alex is talking about how Kanye and Nick Fuentes have a homoerotic fascination with Hitler, which honestly summed it up quite well, in my opinion. Here we go. I really thought I could come in here and shut up at first. And let him get it out of the system, even if he did it. Right. I was saying, hey, let's do something different. Let's, you know, let's show him your intellectual side. Let's let you know, let's get into a bunch of issues. And I had all these issues in front of me. He goes, Why don't you just set those aside? We're not getting into that. I was like, okay, he's letting me know he's in control. 
And so I figured after an hour, at least he would let me kind of then bring up some topics I wanted. Uh, but you kind of had the salacious crumb, uh, the baby Hitler uh, of Nick Fuentes over there. Uh, you know, that, that was a joke Jimmy Kimmel made. Like, where have I seen this before? And it's, it's I'm Jabba the Hutt and there's, there's a salacious crumb sitting there. But seriously, I didn't know that Nick Fuentes was really a Nazi lover. Okay, that's the wrong clip. God damn it. Where is the what? Yeah, you know what happened? I had a Daily Beast article pulled up. And you you look at the article once and you try to reload it. And all of a sudden they want you to unlock and join their, their fucking subscription package. Just trust that Alex Jones sounding like that said that there's a homoerotic fascination with Hitler that these guys have. Now, Alex, what, in, what was interesting to me was he didn't really go at Kanye. In some way, I feel like maybe he's, I don't want to say scared, but he didn't want to poke Kanye that much. Maybe because he wants Kanye to come back. Oh, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I think he wants to keep in good graces because Kanye is such a hit, you know, machine on online. If he shows up on any show, people are going to watch and be riveted, but they're also going to be disgusted at the same time. That's what era we're living in where sensational, you know, things like this are so shocking and so bizarre that, you know, it trumps everything else in terms of content. So, yeah, it, it, it actually... My question for you, did this make Alex Jones more relevant now? Well, it not only made him more relevant, it uh, it made him look good to a lot of people. Because for a lot of people, this is probably either the first time they've seen Alex Jones or the first time they've seen him in a while, especially since the Sandy Hook judgment. And you tune in and there he is trying to calm Kanye down. I mean, even with whatever's going on with Alex, you know, who... I, I don't really keep up with his show, but during the pandemic, I would tune in because I didn't feel like the mainstream media was covering this unprecedented in modern times event with the proper amount of hysteria. Like I wanted to see someone saying, and then Bill Gates is going to put you in a camp and that's why he's buying all the farmland and all. Like mm -hmm. I needed that to help me get through the pandemic. So it was fun. Right. Right. Uh, you know, not the Sandy Hook stuff. I always hate the crisis actor. I, what do you, uh, what, do you want to get sued? Let's get your take on Sandy Hook. <laughs> my, my take? No, I mean, I think that's, that's in the past <laughs> now. I mean, we've, we've. No, but this whole, uh, this whole, this uh, whole idea of the crisis actor and the false <laughs> flag right. operation to take away people's guns. It's like, they've been doing these false flags for 20 years then. You know, since Columbine, it hasn't worked once. I think finally Joe Biden just got some kind of minor gun control legislation passed. But if that's their plan, it's a terrible plan. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that didn't he disavow what he said after that? And then, you know, it all went back to the 2013 take that he had originally. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah, it's whatever. devastating it's, for families. I know it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But the point is that he came off kind of reasonable telling Kanye to, to shut up. And now he, he's, he's right about Nick Fuentes and Kanye having a homoerotic fascination with Hitler. Like, well, what other take is there? He, he, Alex tries to ask what, he likes about hitler and yeah. kanye can't give him any you know historical data that would back up any kind of you know claim that he there was uh, something good about the man 
And so Alex finally is like, you like the way he looks, you like his fashion. So I think it's going towards this homoerotic thing. And, you know, maybe Kanye has a micro penis, <laughs> you know, like Hitler. There was that story that came out that Hitler, there's some sort of scientific evidence that Hitler had a micro penis. Was know? it a, I thought it was that he had only one testicle. Oh, I don't know. I read the, I read both. I think, I, I think I read both. But, you know, I don't know what this homoerotic fascination is, but perhaps, I mean, I don't know. Kanye's got an addiction, addictive personality to pornography, uh, you know, and but what he said on the Alex Jones show completely ignores any Christian ideology that, you know, one would have, you know, Christian's not going to talk like that. I mean, my God, the guy. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, what? I- he started off uh, Jesus Walks back in 2004. That was like one of his, his big hits off of the college dropout album. He, but the, you know what? He was sitting there on Alex Jones with a holy Bible. Like he's gone into that complete weird Christian, uh, which there's some Christian factions that, that really intersect with, I guess, I guess Nazism, but definitely some kind of uh, white supremacy beliefs uh how can he sit there and call himself a christian joe yeah i don't know i mean i'm i'm of the episcopalian faith now but even roman catholic in my past and i never heard anything that would ever you know support any kind of claim that kanye you know that hitler was good for crying out loud it was absolutely just i I think the guy's obviously mentally unwell you know Mm. obviously but and, and just looking for the most sensational way to grab people's attention at this point you know i don't don't know what it went on in that that kardashian household yeah no it's frightening stuff what goes on there although you know what my opinion of the kardashians is always uh they they basically paid my salary for 10 years right right we did so much kardashian stuff at tmz by the way if you're just joining us joe here was is a 10-year tmz veteran camera guy like myself uh, no longer with the company as I neither am, but um, we did a lot. We we were there. We 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 got so much content; it was incredible. We covered a lot, man, and uh, we covered the Kanye West, uh, you know, saga for years. And you know, I'm with you on the on the fashion. You know, like the guy is anti-fashion. I mean, what kind of what was he wearing on that uh, Alex Jones broadcast? So damn like motorcycle jacket that had the. Foam yeah. runner, it was it was bizarre and hideous. The you mask know, the, thing, the mask, Does, yeah, doesn't work. Like literally, there, there was I didn't see breathing holes. Um, fuck, what was I gonna say? But, oh I yeah, mean, yeah, he, but yeah, but oh, I was just gonna bring up Balenciaga. Like he's he's somehow saying uh, that we should pray for Balenciaga and like you know mothers and daughters work there. We should kind of let Balenciaga off the hook before he got kicked off Twitter. Those were some of Kanye's tweets. So, you know what was going on with Balenciaga? That whole shoot with the children and the S and M and the and uh, they had some of the laws. I, I got an interview with Annalyn McCord about that actually this past weekend. Uh, maybe I'll play that in a second. But he is all over the place. Because Balenciaga, I've been saying, what the fuck is going on with Balenciaga with their black bondage clothing? Everyone's walking around like the Riddler from that the latest Batman movie. It's awful. What do you think? I just think it's disgusting. I mean, I don't know. You know, I saw some of those fashion shows, and they're just like grotesque, dark. You know, looks like some hellscape. 
you know, I don't really want to walk around looking like that, but I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, people wear it. It was a status symbol. Um, mm-hmm. You know, got to look at the higher up, you know, echelon of what's going on with that particular brand under the caring uh, ownership because they own Gucci as well and they, a bunch of other fashion houses, you know. So are you, you know, you know, crazy for still wearing that stuff? I mean, people are burning it Is and that- rightfully so, you know, like I have two pairs of Yeezys that I have yet to discard because they were expensive and they're actually really comfortable. And am I, you know, going to be deemed a certain way for wearing them? I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable wearing them in public. And these are Adidas. But they're yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Well, you know, I saw that the uh, Kanye merchandise that's still in existence is selling well. I mean, um, people are maybe buying it up because it's going to be, you know, gone. You know, it'll be not, you know, be rare items in the future. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be getting another new deal somewhere, but... Uh. <laughs> That's doubtful, dude. I don't <laughs> think so. No way. No way Kanye gets a deal anywhere, you know? I don't know how he's, he's going to afford to do things for the next 10 years. I mean, if he has $400 million in the bank and, you know, with, with great money comes great bills, you know? Yeah. Tell me about it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, what were you, you were pulling in what? Three, four million a year at TMZ? Me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was making more than I ever uh, anticipated when I moved to Los Angeles. And, yeah. um, and as the cost of living just kind of went through the roof, I was able to finally afford like a really nice, you know, FedEx box. To that's, sleep. <laughs> that's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, uh, you know, Herschel Walker just lost in Georgia. Did you ever interview Herschel or his son, Christian? His son was a very nice kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well put together man. His son, yeah. Yeah, how was I mean, that? They, they didn't use it because it was uh, very, I don't know, how do you put this, supportive of uh, Herschel's, uh, you know, oh, did ideologies. You, did you Pardon? interview him uh, during... No, it couldn't have been during the campaign. No. This was no. twenty. This was during the Trump campaign when Herschel had thrown his hat in the ring for Trump. And oh right, was it was a was a proud, uh, prominent supporter of Trump, and yeah, uh, yeah they didn't. He, he, you know, maybe he wasn't famous enough. The son, but he he does have a gay son, and uh, you know, a nice kid, but extremely right winged, almost kind of like a Milo Yiannopoulos, yeah, kind of guy, but young, very young. Yeah, he was always out in Beverly Hills ready to, you know, but I got to give it to him. A gay, black, conservative. Open about it. It was rare. Uh, I'll give him some props for that. Definitely going against the grain of the, you know, his uh, his peers in the area for sure. But, I mean, I don't, I haven't heard much of the kid since then. You know, and I don't think he was famous enough for them to actually use it at the time. Yeah, they, they, I think they only used him like once. Right. Once. Sick of I interviewed right. Herschel once in Beverly Hills at El Pesta. It was so forgettable. I don't even know. Of course, they didn't use that either. Um, so Herschel lost. Herschel lost. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. We, we, we anticipated that one, right? Yeah, we did. Well, you know, what? he barely lost. That's the scary thing. He barely lost on Election Day. And then in the runoff, he still barely lost. But. Whatever. Had he run in Texas, would he have won? Since he was more of a Texas legend, 
I feel like if he had run in like Alabama or Mississippi, maybe he would have. Oh, he's a Texas legend. See, that went well, over you know, my he's head. A cowboy. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what team he played for. I'm not a. I'm not <laughs> I think a he's one guy. of the top five greatest running backs of all time. I mean, I, I'm, you know, if I were to, to guess, he probably is a top five running back of all time. But what is, how does that translate to politics? See, that's why you yeah. were always good at TMZ sports. I don't even know he's a running back. I don't know anything about it. I knew he played football. That was about it. Yeah. Joe, uh, as 2022 draws to a close, Time Magazine has made their selection for person of the year. Can you hear that? I do. I do. Those are the dogs. Two chihuahua. <laughs> um, keep it down, please. Streaming. Okay. Time Magazine is choosing their person of the year. Uh, before we reveal who it is, who would you choose as your person of the year? Ooh, person of the year this year. Uh, Vanilla be... Ice is not uh, uh, eligible. Dang, dude. I mean, who would be up there? I mean, well, let's see. You got Elon Musk. Uh, you've got the Iranian woman protesters. That was somebody. Uh, uh, last week, when I read an article, Prince Charles was eligible. Mm. Um, Who's had a significant impact on uh, society in 2022? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, probably the winner is a clear, you know, favorite, you know. Um, since you haven't announced it yet, but uh, you know, I'm gonna give props to Kirstie Alley. You know, Kirstie Alley. What was she? You know, came in at the last minute, right? <laughs> died right, right. And, and gets person of the year. Yeah, she was uh, great in Lover Boy. That's my favorite Kirstie Alley moment. The movies, Lover Boy, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Was that uh, when was that? Eighty nine. That was in the late 80s, yeah, probably 88, 89, where he delivered pizzas with extra anchovies to uh, housewives that were being neglected. Oh, nice. Yeah, great film. I say hello to Natalie McClendon right there. She's uh, watching and enjoying the show. Hello, Natalie. Um, it's – wait, let me, let me put it on the screen. It's – sorry, streaming problems. Okay, it's – Zelensky. As Vladimir Zelensky predicted the other Vladimir. Vladimir Zelensky as opposed to as opposed to Vladimir Putin, who right. I could argue is actually the person of the year because he started this whole thing. But they, they don't do that anymore. Um, I guess can't argue with it, but you know, here's the thing. I know that. Ukraine is still going on, but our interest in Ukraine was really more of a springtime thing. Like it's been a struggle for the media to keep Ukraine on the front lines since, I don't know, the summer. Cause once it became clear that Putin probably wasn't going to use a nuke, everyone kind of tuned out. I mean, that's what got everyone excited in the first place. Like when I was watching the coverage, I was like, okay, well, is he going to drop a nuke? Let's see. Let's go. Let's get some excitement in this world. But he didn't do it. And it became clear that he wasn't going to do it. And now it's like, who, who cares? I mean, not that like, I don't care about the humanitarian aspect, but who cares about the stories? Your thoughts. 
I mean, there was just such initial shock and awe with the carnage that was going on there. And I was at Fox Business at the time, and they had sent reporters to, you know, even from the business standpoint, because it, it, there were such implications of international business, you know, for those viewers in that, in all of the, you know, nuances of the war, you know, because war with great war comes great, you know, financial gain, financial, you know, peril for people. So... Yeah, I mean, it was constant coverage until it suddenly because then it was it was prior to that it was Afghanistan, the Taliban. Yeah. We haven't heard much about the Taliban and what they're doing in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, you know, since then, so it's weird how the the media kind of chooses to kind of stop covering things, you know, ba based on what? Because I just saw that he's still attacking daily, you know. Yeah. But uh, and then Zelensky's on TV doing karaoke at the same time. I know. Did you see that he's doing a? Uh... An interview. Let me pull it up. An interview with David Letter David Letterman. He uh, and I saw this on Twitter a while back. Like during a, I, I want to say it was during a bombing, but I don't know for sure if it was during a bombing. But during the war, like a couple months ago, David Letterman went and got an interviewed him in a subway in Ukraine. Not a subway sandwich spot. A subway. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better. Yeah, see over there, the chicken Letterman. teriyaki. Sister they have a new, they have a new sweet onion teriyaki sauce now. You know, I was really disappointed. They used to have regular sweet onion. Now it's sweet onion teriyaki. I hadn't gone to the subway in about a year, and I went there, and I was really disappointed that they that sauce has been eighty sixth. Can you believe that they made it through the whole Jared from Subway scandal? Like, no one even talks about it anymore. That's true. That was a big one. That I was guess. a big scandal, man. The news cycle you know. moves on. You can you can have a, a pedophile be your spokesperson. Well, for who 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 have chose that non personality schmuck anyway? You know, to <laughs> to begin with, like, oh, great marketing campaign. Some random guy that lost forty pounds. Yeah, Jesus, it's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess Zelensky's the man of the year. I mean, I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a boring person of the year. I guess yeah. to me, it's a little bit boring because the, the story, I don't know. We're just not intrigued with it daily, you know, like we are with other. I wonder if Zelensky asked Letterman for funding for the war for uh, for agreeing to this. Now, uh, I, real quick, Letterman, I shot him once. Did you ever shoot Letterman? I did. Oh, yeah. You have a great clip. Incredible with Letterman. I was surprised. Maybe it was you got him after I did, I think. Uh, it was in the last three years that you got him, right? Uh, yeah, it was like just before COVID. Yeah. I randomly spotted him. And, you know, my grandfather, you know, he hated Letterman. Oh, uh -huh. shit. I'm, I lost your uh, picture here. You don't you see still, me? You, oh, I got you. My grandfather hated Letterman for some reason. But he loved Leno. And he would <laughs> yell at me if I had Letterman on. He'd say, get that son of a bitch off the TV right now. Put on oh. Leno. Wow. I was like, all right, Leno's the man, you know, whatever, Grandpa. Uh -huh. And so uh, I, hey, I was always, yeah. So I thought Letterman would have been a prick. And so I randomly spotted him at LAX, and the guy was the nicest, kindest. He asked my name, shook my hand. But uh, in mid-interview, the guy tripped. And he, this Letterman's like 80. Yeah, Is he not? He's pretty much 80 years old. He's, he's got to be close. He's in, his, he's in his late 70s, probably, probably 78 or so, right? The guy trips over his bag while I'm interviewing him. He was so distracted and having a great conversation about God knows what 
you know, back and forth. I'm like, uh-huh. and I'm kind of like, you know, I, I rarely got starstruck, but for some reason I was a little starstruck by him because it was yeah. a rare find. Sure. You know, you know, so um, yeah, he tripped pretty hard in the, in the clip. And of course, TMZ aired it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> they, they made fun. Of, you know, that was the whole, you know, uh, the whole clip was him falling. Um, I want to bring something up in one second, but uh, yeah, this was. If anyone's wondering why this old clip is up here, I shot this with Letterman outside Cantor's. Um, he was digging through the trash, and I spotted him. No, he <laughs> he was in there shooting a podcast. Actually, uh, he was on the Nick Fuentes podcast, and they were shooting at Cantor's. Anyways, so yeah, he was very nice, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again since we're talking about it. Leno. I don't know if you ever got Leno, but he used to do that thing where he pretends microphone thing <laughs> while you're to him. Right, right, right. He didn't do that to me, but what did he I say could to see you? that being pretty funny. How was your Leno experience? It was good. I got him. It, it aired. I just randomly spotted him at uh, Tom Bradley and just got a clip, you know, just a quick clip on the fly. It was, it was a web clip. I can't recall what exactly it was, but... Nice guy, nice enough, you know. And he's he's a sweetheart to everybody he meets. So I hear. Hey, you want to come to the garage and see my car? <laughs> yeah, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned how David Letterman fell over and tripped uh, while you were interviewing him, and yeah, it was sad. I mean, I hate, I hate it. That's one thing I was scared of because I think when we first started, there was a pap that died. You know, while on the job, like got out of his car, started was, running, and got hit it, by a car. It was, he was tracking Justin Bieber on like New Year's Day, right. and he he got hit by a car. I never met yeah. the guy, but like, yikes! Yeah, that those. So that's how those dangers. You know, the logistics of of gathering a shot. You know, um, it was sometimes there were some uh, obstacles in the way that you'd be kind of like, you know, am I? I don't want to make you trip and you're gonna blame me and you know so he tripped it was like the worst case scenario watching this old legend just fall right in front of you and like this is my fault because otherwise you know i'm the one that decided to ambush you here at lax at 9 p.m <laughs> after a after a flight from new york you know that's already you're already disoriented you know a young man's disoriented after they fly across the coast did he laugh it off he did he was cool about it but his his uh the people that he was he was with, they were upset. They were yeah. visibly, you know, rattled. He was cool. He he was very calm and collected. I shouldn't even say this story because I could get pegged as a racist, but fuck it. So uh Via Ragosa, you know, years ago we used to call him Mer Suave. Now this is before I worked at TMZ, but like, you know, they 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 would cover him as Mayor Suave, like Rico Suave, another one of those nineties characters. And I spotted him in Beverly Hills. Mayor Villaraigosa was the mayor of Los Angeles, by the way. Um, he was in Beverly Hills with a friend. And a friend of ours who worked at DMZ, I won't name him, even though I should, but he, he uh, a Latino friend, said to me, hey, man, if you want to like ingratiate yourself with Mayor Villaraigosa, run up to him and be like, what's up, Mayor Suave? He likes that. I was like, really? I don't know. Like, do you see my skin color? I don't know if I can say that. He's like, no, no, no. It's going to be funny. He's going to talk to you. So I run up against my better judgment and I go, Mer Suave. And he smiles. But his friend goes, you know, that's racist, don't you? Mer Suave? 
You're calling him Suave? That's racist. Why would you call him Suave? I was like, I don't know. I thought we used to call him Mayor Suave. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> that's a racist thing to say. You think because he's Latino, he's Mayor Suave? I was like, look at man, I just <laughs> so I tried to have an interview, but it went nowhere. Um and uh luckily that part wasn't on camera. But I guess the reason I'm saying that is I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Why well, am I saying that? Not, yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't oh, the because the the people that were with Letterman got upset at you because you almost killed them. Right, right, right. I heard uh, the the conservative radio host used to call uh, Viragosa Tony Villar, and I didn't know <laughs> is that <laughs> is that racist? I don't know. I, I just I thought that name was hilarious. Is that I used to listen to six forty a.m. You know, just you know, John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, these guys on L.A. talk radio, and they weren't necessarily like hardcore conservative, but they hated yeah. Viragosa. It wasn't then, um, uh, Rush Limbaugh. And it wasn't L. Rushbow. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Villar. Yeah, you yeah, probably said it too, but yeah, the I I, I got I caught him uh, covering potholes in Venice one time and 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 blasted on him when I first started. But uh, yeah, he became the chairman of the DNC after that, and there were some rumblings that he was even going to be president. Yeah, he works for, for like a week. A weed company too. I remember one time, you know, he and I had a fun relationship. I, I think he kind of hated me, but but also liked me. Uh, I, I got him at Fred Siegel once with that rapper, The Game. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm the mayor's spokesperson. You know, you got to ask me the questions. It was a fun clip. They played it on TV. Yeah. TV. He, he was fun. He was good. And I think that his uh, successor was great for interviews. Uh, Garcetti. Every time I got Garcetti, he gave me a great soundbite. It was like he was a soundbite machine. Yeah. But like, I remember one time I got, yes, yeah, Garcetti was cool, but he got annoying after a while. I remember I got him just before COVID broke out and I was talking to him about it. And he was like, no, you can go to a game. You know, you can go to the stadium. Sure. It's fine. And then right, I, right. I got in trouble for the clip because it was not uh, in, incisive enough. Anyways, Mia Ragosa, I got him one time at the Grove and, you know, they used to make a stand at the Grove all day long. Like that would be your entire shift Grove from like eight to six standing there looking at a million faces. It was like being in Times Square all day long. And Via Ragosa came through. He was the only celebrity I'd seen all day. I didn't want to shoot him, but and he was incognito in a way. No one had noticed. Hmm. But I thought, you know what? Fuck him. So I went up with the camera and I did an interview and then everyone realized who it was. And for like 15 minutes, he had to stand there and shake everybody's hand at the Grove. Uh, I think his daughter was pissed at me. He was with his daughter that day, and she was looking at me like, "You fucking white motherfucker." So was this after he was was this during his term this, as mayor? This was during his term as oh, mayor. Okay, yeah. all right, gotcha. Yeah, he was. If he's at the Grove, he wasn't incognito. He was incognito. <laughs> Jeez, that place. Yeah, I mean, it costs it costs more money. It costs more to eat there and to do stuff. Like I would spend all my money if I was there because the farmers market. It was like. $48 for a burrito. I can't even step foot in the farmer's market. The smells of the different restaurants and stores makes me ill. Cap used to love to eat at the farmer's market all the time. I was like, how can you even work up an appetite? It smells like a slaughterhouse. <laughs> There's it it's quite the melting pot. You know, yeah, I saw some celebs there uh prior to my I saw uh Shelly Berman eating at uh, when I first got to LA. Who's that? Shelly Berman. He was a he was a comedian. He played Larry David's dad. 
until he uh, passed away on curb. Oh, let me see. I probably know the face. Yeah, I just saw him eating at that little coffee shop. It was at the Dupar's. That's when I first arrived in L.A. I was like, oh, it is, I'm in L.A. There's a Shelly Berman. <laughs> is it Shelly Berman? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, he okay. played Larry Larry's dad on Curb. Hilarious. Remember he gets stoned with uh, the chick from Friday? Yes. In the carpool lane episode? Absolutely. I do, but it's, I haven't seen yeah. the show in a while. Yeah. But. but yeah, the Grove, it was, a, it was a celebrity hotspot. I don't know if it's still a hotspot today. I don't even... I don't even know. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that whole era is over, you know. No one even cares. I, I don't follow, but there's a few, uh, like, PAP video sites that I subscribe to to support some guys that I knew. And, like, the view counts are the same as the view counts that I get, which right. just goes to show you, like, no one cares about that type of video anymore. Like, the TMZ video was cool, and it was groundbreaking at the time because – we didn't have Instagram and every, that was your only way to see a celebrity walking out of a restaurant. You know, yeah. who would ever actually seen a celebrity walking out of a restaurant before that wasn't in a movie or a TV show. Now it's, it's everywhere with the flashing lights. Like who gives a fuck? I know. I know. It's a shame. Social media kind of killed it. Yeah. it's, it's but, for the I best. mean, and you know, in COVID, you know, I think that people got, you know, COVID um, was a big one. Yeah, so I wanted to ask, you know, do you want to tell your, because this relates to the uh, Letterman story in a weird way, uh, your uh, Dick Butkus story? Uh, oh, you want to tell the Dick Butkus story? <laughs> how you, how yeah, they destroyed many, they destroyed your relationship with that guy? Yeah, so, you know, Dick Butkus, uh, one of the top five uh, NFL players of all time, according to some, you know, some things I was reading, definitely top five defensive players of all time, Chicago Bear legend, Dick Butkus. Look at him, he looks like Burt Reynolds right there in that third picture. <laughs> yeah, he Beautiful was in man. Deliverance, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, growing up in Chicago and uh, my grandfa grandfather was a bar owner and a football player, so uh, Dick Butkus was a household name in my grandfather's house, you know, and, um, I lived with my grandfather. And so, uh, you know, he was somebody that we idolized in Chicago and, you know, the guy was a great guy. And so, um, I was the Malibu correspondent for TMZ for three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, every single day I was in Malibu, every single, could not get out of Malibu. I was exiled to Malibu, but I broke the place wide open. I, you know, I found everybody. And so Dick Butkus was a regular at Ralph's. And so, you know, if I needed a clip of a football clip and there was a lot of talk about CTE with the, the passing of Junior Seau. Mm -hmm. And so CTE, I think, is a great newsworthy uh, conversation to have. And Dick Butkus gave me this incredible soundbite where he said, uh, I was talking about the technology of football helmets. You know, I was like, can they design a new hel helmet? And Butkus said, you could have a Bentley for a helmet. But if you don't have your neck muscles, it's all about your neck. He goes, when we during my era, and Dick Butkus was an outside linebacker, I believe, or inside linebacker, one of the two. I'm not a huge football dude either, but he was a defensive end. And so he had a lot of, you know, what seemingly would be trauma to the head from the years of, the, of playing football. But he said that he, they worked on their neck muscles. So he said, like, the, the players of today need to work their neck so they don't have the spinal damage or whatever, you know, or their cranial 
the the neck absorbs a lot of the hits or whatever. Anyway, they didn't care about that clip. Okay, so it gets on the TV show for TMZ, and they're like, "We got Dick Butt Kiss." <laughs> And so everybody starts laughing like a like kids in a cafeteria, like yeah. 40 little like weenie bullies, like a bunch of, you know, the guy got bullied by in, in middle school, you know, yell, you know, 40 of them. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? And giving this man no respect whatsoever when, you know, he's a he's a legend. And he probably did a lot of community outreach and a lot of nice things for, you know, kids and people around the world, you know. And uh, here I am, you know, talking to my one of my idols. And he gives a great soundbite on a serious issue. And then TMZ TV show uh, takes it and just makes fun of his name. Who would name their son Dick if their last name was Butt Kiss? But it's actually Buttkus. It's Polish. Okay. Polish. There's a lot of Polish people in Chicago. So you're making fun of Polish people and their name. And you're making fun of this man who didn't do anything. So yeah, I got that 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 aired and was published, but in a very negative way. Next time I saw Dick, who was I had a rapport with, we had a great conversation, and I wanted to be friends with him, you know, but I couldn't because Dick said, "Hey man, I don't watch your stupid show, but uh, I heard from my friends that you guys made fun of my name. Like I haven't heard that before, and I can't believe that you took this conversation." And you, you know, defame my name again, you know, and he was so pissed off. He's like, I'll never talk to you again. Get out of my face, you piece of shit. And I'm like, God. I didn't do it. All I did was this. And I gave it to them because I worked there. And here you are. And, and then, you know, there's no, I don't know, man. They they never <laughs> understood you. Like you're, you're working up a relationship with Dick, Dick Butkus. Like when is he ever going to talk to a TMZ guy? Like he said, he doesn't even probably know what tmz is no. and then they just destroy the whole thing in one fell swoop look at right. he's he's smiling there, there he looks happy you know and then and that's just... yeah that's what they did he had no idea when i was interviewing him here he had no idea this was just to make fun of his name let me let me just play this real quick let's just see what let's take a walk down you know what's also messed up i see that 124 2013 i have ptsd from this because you know like him yelling at me and ralph's you know bts dick (laughs) (laughs) um this was before tmz sports i think was its own platform so it probably would have run on tmz sports like the real interview that you got out of them that's what's fucked up if you had just got dick like a year later um it would have went better but let's let's watch it why not let's go deck the halls with oh, wow. and harvey Happy i haven't Elton seen that christmas everybody the year's top stories how can you get messier than that tmz's merry elfin christmas watch it now on I see that they spent our salary budget on those Christmas decorations. Yeah. <laughs> Hulu. All right. And Henry Winkler. How you doing, Mr. Buckus? Hey, look! It's the most ferocious linebacker to ever play the game of football. The one and only Richard Buckus. It's Dick. All right, then. Dick it is. Hit it. Dick butt kiss. Who the hell would ever name their kid that? Dick butt kiss. We're surprised he's not a gay born. It's Dick butt kiss. <laughs> You're like a legend. Wait a second. Now look, I'm sure I'm Dick. Like, no. I'm sure Dick butt kiss isn't a homophobic guy. But he looks like an old school Chicago guy. And you're saying, well, I can't believe he's not in gay porn. Wow. 
I, I never saw this, so this is actually shocking. Oh, shit. That they had that, you know, man. I, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever seen this either. I think I've just heard the story, so I'm I'm as blown away as you are. But let's keep going. Fuck it. You know what? We're 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 turn we're changing the narrative on Dick Butkus today. Legend, man. You you are a legend. Okay, he's a talker. <laughs> but before we ask any questions, we've got about 20 seconds to make fun of his name. And go! God, to go through school. Dick Buttkiss. No, you can name him any first name and it's still going to be Buttkiss. It doesn't matter. Herman Buttkiss. That least. does not sound better. Herman Amanda. Amanda Buttkiss. <laughs> I'm looking for Amanda Buttkiss. And now that we got that out of the way, let's see what's new with this macho wrecking machine. Oh my God, he's wearing the toe shoes. Dick Buckus is wearing the toe shoes. The toe shoes are a deal breaker no matter what. No, those yeah, are dope. he could snap you in half. Come on, he's Dick Buckus. We should respect him and listen to his words of wisdom, especially when it comes to the new generation of football players. I think the one thing where players are and strength coaches are missing is building up the neck. That's a universal true statement. They don't focus on their neck. I actually have done it for about a year now. How do you exercise your neck? It's interesting. You lay on the bench and you go up and down like this. With How do you do it? <laughs> do, do it again. No. I want to <laughs> Not when we're talking about big buckets, I won't. <laughs> Gross. Thanks, Mr. Buckus. Thanks for your time, sir. Well... That was that was it. it. That yeah. was it. They destroyed the relationship after that. I mean, it was funny. It's funny, but he didn't have a sense of humor about it. And I under, I knew he wouldn't because he's a real serious guy. You could tell you could tell he didn't want to talk to me. I warmed him up, and then you know I thought I had a rapport going with him where I can get some decent clips from him, and you know pro probably ten clips over the course of years to come, and that was the one and done because you know oh man they salivated over butt kiss. I, I'm just imagining, I'm picturing his friends. Poor guy. This poor guy. He's here, he's smiling. I'm picturing his friends saying, Dick, they said you were in gay porn. I know, I know. <laughs> and I know it's, I met his son after that real nice guy. Just looks just like him, you know. But yeah, Chicago legend, man. You go, he's a top five Chicago athlete of all time. You know, and that's up there with Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, Ryan Sandberg. Did you uh, um did great. you did you tell uh little dick uh <laughs> <laughs> did you tell him what you had done? I didn't do anything to, oh no, I didn't tell little dick that no, no, <laughs> I didn't tell uh Dick Jr. What's his first name? I forgot his first name. I got his number. Should give him a call next uh show and see what his dad thinks. But hey fuck yeah, it. If we, let's get that dick butt exclusive on this show. I mean, it was a funny name, but I I actually, I don't know if I was just stupid, but like growing up, I never really put two and two together that his name was like Dick Butkus and that was funny. Yeah. I just don't think that we, I, I don't know. I just didn't think like that, you know? Uh, are you keeping up with these Idaho, these Idaho murders? Uh, from what's being released, the little information that we do have. Yeah. Yeah. I have a bit. It's it's fascinating stuff. I've I've gone in and out on how much I'm paying attention to it, but the a lot of people and I'm seeing there's some kind of possible break in the case right here on TMZ.com, which is really? still a good website to check. You know, even though I'm not there anymore, I'll always sing the praises of their investigative work. They do do quite a good job, 
But, uh, and I'm very happy with the place. Big fan, big fan of Harvey and everybody that works. Yeah, I, I love, case. I love, I love Harvey. I don't like what they did with Dick Butkus clips, but um, I do absolutely. He was a mentor and uh, incredible to work under him for 10 years. He was the man. Uh, yeah. And uh, if anyone's watching from there, uh, you know, just in case you're thinking of bringing us back, that's how we feel. <laughs> not, not that they are. But um, so there's a father of one of the girls who was killed, Kaylee Goncalves, Goncalves. I think it's Goncalves. Yeah. I've heard both. You're absolutely uh, right. It's Goncalves. So he gives interviews like every day, mostly to Fox News at this point, because they seem to be playing up the story more. But he's now he, he gives interviews. He talks about things that the police have told him. He's probably releasing information that shouldn't be out there. He's frustrated, understandably. And you don't want to get mad at a guy who's grieving like that. I mean, imagine that horror waking up and hearing that your daughter was like not just dead but like brutally murdered it's horrific uh and now though he's talking about maybe suing the police department because of how slowly the the investigation is going and how little information the families have being have been given and it hasn't even been a month yet like they the cops in my opinion are playing this right you can't give out all of this secret information about the crime scene or about the motivation or who was killed where and what because they need to hold on to that in order to be able to prove or disprove uh, a person of interest alibi or you know like all types of shit things that only the killer would know about the room like if there was a message or like any crazy shit like that and he just wants it all out there and as a as a consumer of these stories sure would i like all the whole story to come out now yeah but i also know like you can't do that you're gonna blow the whole investigation where were you on the night of november 12th by the way was it the 12th or the 13th it was the morning of the 13th Interesting that you right, would at three a.m. at three a.m. and there's there's theories on TikTok and whatnot that there's a, a there was a slew of murders over the last uh, three years that all took place on the thirteenth. Uh, there was one in Oregon and and a few in Oregon and they they both took place at three a.m. So, That's right. Some people you know, say that there's a, a a burgeoning serial killer working in the Pacific Northwest. And and that and the, you know that's entirely possible. Uh, there also has been indicated as this uh, the hood guy from the the food truck video. He's getting oh. a lot of uh, uh, attention on social media. Apparently, he fled. I mean, I don't want to indicate him because he's been exonerated. I mean, you know, he's not been implicated by police at this point, and he's left the yeah. country. He lives in South Africa with his parents, but left midterm. I heard um, that that was a, a psychic gave a reading on what they thought the killer, where they thought the killer was. And that has since been turned into a fact that the killer drove five hours that night to their parents' cabin and then left for South Africa the next day. But that apparently that all comes from a psychic. Like, yeah, these Facebook groups, not so much the Reddit groups, but the Facebook groups are just naming suspects right and left. Like anybody that was following these people on Instagram that maybe had a hunting picture or just kind of looked creepy. Right. They're accusing yeah which, is, yeah, which is a little much. You can't do that for a murder this gruesome. But I did read something that said that, you know, a murder this horrific where he stabbed four people 
was obviously was quite possibly someone who had struck before or was familiar with doing that type of thing because you know it just seemed like a, a, a spontaneous crime of passion to to kill four people you know it's very bizarre the whole story doesn't make sense i mean that they woke up in the morning and all they said was one person was unconscious like the they have yet to release the initial phone call and i think yeah. you want to listen to that but you know i mean fascinating to, to watch the police interrogation videos and with these police interrogation videos uh, they need to step up their uh, the quality you know like have you seen some of these interrogation videos from these high profile cases they're always like some crappy webcam that's poor, poor, oh yeah, yeah. Here, real bad audio you can it's like shot with a nokia razor like yeah, what get, you know get a mac get a macbook what, what kind of microphone do you have there the police department needs that yeah microphone and lighting you know for crying out loud like let's because for years to come this true crime stuff has become a huge you know um subject of you know interest for people more than celebrities now this is the new thing people are really interested in hearing about it's true. Well, let's see what this update is here. Yeah. I haven't read this yet. I just yeah, happened to see this when I was when I was looking for the Dick Butkus story and I went right. to TMZ.com. Uh, Idaho murders. Cops in search of driver of white Hyundai might have info on crime. Cops in Idaho want to speak with whoever was driving or a passenger in a white Hyundai Elantra that might have been in the neighborhood on the night four college students were killed. The police say they've received tips about a vehicle near the crime scene in the early morning hours of November 13th. Um, you drive an Elantra, right? <laughs> I got uh, a Honda Clarity. <laughs> Investigators are unsure how many people. They're not saying whether they suspect the occupants or the vehicles directly involved in the murders, but it feels like a solid week after lead after weeks of dead ends with no one in custody. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's been there's been confusion over whether it was a targeted attack against the victims or the house or at all. They've ruled out an alleged stalker. Uh, it's just a crazy... It's, what's crazy, and I think what's got everyone interested in it, is the fact that in 2022, when there's cameras everywhere and a digital footprint, phone pings, every possible thing, we're under such surveillance that you, I feel like you can't even commit a crime anymore. Like, if you wanted to be a murderer or commit a crime, should have done it 80 years ago. Not even 50 years ago, because... Every day I'm seeing a story about some old man who's being convicted of a crime because their nephew put their DNA into Ancestry.com and then they linked up with like, you know, some slang that happened somewhere in the Midwest. Um, it's the fact that all of this surveillance and technology still can't catch this guy or right, girl which leads or, you to believe. or birthing person, whoever it is. Which is probably why the guy is wanting to sue already and get a lawyer because obviously he sees something that's incompetent, either that or they're just withholding so much information that's like, hey, man, back off. But these are discussions they should have had with the father, you know, like, hey, we might have some information, but just sit back, you know, because I heard the guy, the father hired a private investigator and I've never heard of that before. It's like, I'm going to get my own investigator. And what did the investigator have access to the crime scene? I don't think so. So what was he just going around to the frat house and this and interviewing people? You know, I mean, it seems chaotic down there, but it would it would suck to be a student at Idaho State right now. Well, you know what the problem is, and it's the same problem with Ukraine. We are used to things, information getting to us at lightning speed now because of the internet, because of smartphones. And then when something like this happens, Ukraine or an Idaho quadruple homicide, 
and it isn't solved within a week, we start being, we get antsy and we start saying, what the hell's going on? Why can't they just figure this out? Why can't they end the yeah, Ukraine I mean, war? Seems, Why can't we beat them? It seems like you'd have some type of lead by now. And perhaps they do. I mean, I'd imagine they have some type of suspect, but are they not, are they withholding that they have someone in custody? I mean, I don't even know what's happening, you know? Oh, like, that, that's the thing is like, they may have a strong suspect, but they're not going to tip their hand uh, yet just because the public wants to right. know, you know, these investigations in the real world still have to happen at the speed that they happen in order for them to not just solve it, but acquire enough airtight evidence to prosecute and convict whoever the suspect is. And same with Ukraine, like it could take. Ne till next year Zelensky might repeat as person of the year next year who knows it's not going to be Kanye that's for sure <laughs> Jesus but yeah I mean with look at the Gabby Petito thing that took over a month to solve but I mean and there wasn't really any kind of like thing you know, it was a very slow moving process yeah you know so they have to be do their due diligence and be very careful but is it how much is the fbi involved in this did they come completely take over the investigation because i heard they are involved i thought i had read that they have kind of taken over the lion's share of the investigation at this point because the local pd you know they don't have a large workforce they got to get back to whatever other crimes are going on in moscow idaho well, idaho right they're basically campus cops I yeah, mean, you know, was Idaho State, right? It's probably a student body of like less than ten thousand kids. University of Idaho. Is it University of Idaho? Is that what? A lot, it, okay. a lot of people seem to think it has something to do with one of the fraternities, which I won't name because apparently every fraternity has a lawyer on retainer, and uh, so I'm yeah. not going to go there. Yeah. Can you believe that we never killed a celebrity accidentally while we were interviewing at TMZ? I was just thinking about that when you when you said you you knocked over David Letterman on purpose for a clip. Um, I was thinking about how all those times like at Toast on Third Street, which is a busy street. And a lot of times celebrities would park across the street. And so they would try to run to their car. And this was our only chance to try to get an inter interview with them. And like the fact that we never distracted someone so much that they tripped and got run over or just got hit by a car because they weren't looking is pretty incredible. It's incredible, but I believe more so they were always concerned for our safety. How many times have you had a celebrity say, hey, watch out, watch out, you know, because like there were cars behind you, you know, I mean, we were the ones with our backs towards, you know, the street oh, yeah. most of the time. Well, that was the art to it was being able to walk backwards around parking meters and poles and trees and whatever. You're just kind of sensing your surroundings while keeping the person in frame and thinking and listening back and getting your questions out and maybe getting questions that you had to get out. or you are going to be fucking fired? You know, it's different than just a guy who comes up and takes a picture and then he can like move yeah. and turn around and then take another picture. Yeah, no, because you're thinking and you're, you're carrying on a long conversation. I, I was injured three significant times, three. And the first time was with the Kardashian girls. It was, uh, it was, Kendall and Kylie, and they were young, you know, they were younger. They were probably 13, 14 and they were in Malibu and I had just started and I fell and bit it so hard. The camera fell and they were like, Oh my God, are you okay? You know, that one was embarrassing, but I never, you know, I didn't, you know, take off the rest of the day. But one time I was like so thirsty for any clip 
that I was in Brentwood and I saw Chris. God, who is this guy? He was just a he was an MTV VJ and he did interviews and he was a nobody. He was like a Kurt Loader. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. he was basically Chris something. What the heck was this guy's name? Anyway, I was so thirsty and it was raining and I needed a clip anything to prove that I was working, which I always was working, you know, yeah. every, every time, 10 hours a day working, you know, <laughs> um, but Chris, uh, MTV, let me see VJ. if I can find that MTV VJ. He was a nobody. I don't know what I was thinking. Chris Connolly. Okay. Oh yes. So I'm, I see Chris Connolly at Alfred's in uh, Brentwood and I parked the car and I'm running dart across the street. Cause he was leaving. You know, he was walking. I was like, I better get this guy. And I know it was, you know, I just wanted anything. You know, I would have, I would have shot, you know, uh, you know, freaking catfish hunter. I, you know, I don't care. I would have, I would have <laughs> shot anybody at this point. Um, so I get Chris Connolly, but prior to getting Chris Connolly, he sees me and I trip on the curb. Like basically, you know how, like when you don't see a curb and you're yeah. like running. And yeah. then you, yeah. So I fell and I cracked my ankle as hard as I could, pretty much broke my ankle. And Chris saw that. And I still went ahead. Hey, Chris, you know, I just want to get you this interview, man. I'm sorry, TMZ, man. You know what I mean? I'm really like, I need a clip right now. And so, yeah, he saw that. He, he was still a prick about it, though. He was oh, a jerk. Yeah, he really? was a little prick. Yeah, he didn't want to, he didn't want to talk. And this guy doesn't, he, he interviews people for a living. He, know what, he knows what it's like, you know? He's and then, uh, Last but not least, I was outside the courthouse, Stanley Mosque, and um, I had been inside all day with Master P. For some reason, I was with him, and I was outside of the courtroom with him. It was like, you're, you're going to cover this all day with me, bud, you know? So yeah. it was me and Master P while I was going through some kind of, like, a divorce uh, settlement. And I don't you know, why are we covering Master P's divorce? You know, but I was there. And so he comes out of the courthouse and he, he started acting like I was just some random guy, you know, just for the camera. But meanwhile, I had been, you know, <laughs> knew I was going to interview you. I was inside with you, bro. We were having conversations prior to this. And then he was acting like I was just some random paparazzi guy. And so I was like, great. Now he's going to act too cool for me just for the cameras. Great, Master P. And so I'm walking backwards and there's these planters outside of Stanley Mosque. You know, those planters, mm -hmm. you know. And so I'm walking backwards, no warning. He didn't say, you know, like a lot of celebs, hey, man, watch out behind you. There's a planter there. And so these planters are real like steel bars. And then it goes, the hole goes in pretty like two or three feet deep, you know. And I fell right into the planter down and I'm sitting there with the camera on my back and I'm like, oh, my God. And then uh, Master P just says, that's the devil right there. <laughs> And I'm sitting here going, this is the one of the worst days of my life. What did I do with my career? Yeah. No, I think I was covering him during that same time because I got him somewhere else and he came out and I've interviewed him a bunch of times before. Yeah. And so I've been like, so uh, how did the settlement hearing go? Here, what, what settlement hearing? What are you talking about? It's like, I dude, I, you probably called us to come here because this is at a random law office in Westwood. We don't normally cover that area. Yeah. And he tells me that after I told him. He tells me that's the devil right there. Like I was doing the devil's work. Yeah. But he tells me that after I told him I bought his first album, 99 Ways to Die. Yeah. No one bought that. He, uh, I had, there's some funny experiences with Master P. He's a good guy. I interviewed him a bunch of times. One of our ex-coworkers was 
friendly with him. So he would set up shots, but like he would always come with a product. Like I was interviewing him earlier this year about uh, Astro World, the Travis Scott thing where everyone yeah. got killed. And this is Master P, by the way, if anyone doesn't remember. And he did, oh, no, 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 no. So he, I'm like, man, so what do you think about this horrible Astro World tragedy? And he was like, oh, man, you know, it's, uh, it's a tragedy. But, you know, the good thing is I'm coming out with these new Master P cereal. And he just holds up a box of, like, frosted Master P's and tries to go right into that. Like, no, dude, we're not. We got to talk about Astro World first. Yeah, he was there. Same he was one of the performers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, man. This is a that, that was a historic event. I mean, it was terrible, tragic. And then You're my other about your rap snack cereal. <laughs> I mean, rap snacks are good. Like, I guess he has that's his potato chip company. Man, they're delicious. Like, they have some good flavors. Yeah, like honey barbecue. You know, Biggie Smalls and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Master P guy. I mean, always a decent guy, but he's to me detrimentally one of the reasons hip-hop really declined like i mean he's one of the reasons and a lot you know i'm not the only one who says that but yeah you know, no limit records really just the quality of hip-hop after that really went uh, i i wasn't a fan of the the southern era of hip-hop that's kind of when i tuned out i mean like outcast was cool but once it got into like the little johns and the yin yang twins and all that shit like when i was a senior in high school i was kind of like you know what I think I'm done. Yeah, Southern Crunk. You're, you're referring to Crunk. Crunk. Southern yeah. Crunk music when we were in college, when I was in college. <laughs> but yeah, Outcast is incredible. They're my favorite. Outcast, Goody Mob. And there are great Southern rappers like 8Ball and MJG and UGK. But then yeah. you know, Cash Money and No Limit, to me, destroyed hip-hop. I'll say that. I'll go on record on the Dante Greco right now. Master P, No Limit Records, and Cash Money together destroyed hip-hop. I want to expand on that, but I need more yes, uh, time to time. research. Some but, but yeah, my other funny masterpiece thing was like we're interviewing him at Nipsey Hussle's memorial outside of what was then the Staples Center, and it was just like, what do you think is Nipsey's, uh, you know, impact? You know, like blah 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 legacy, and he's like, man, Nipsey, he's affected so many. He's affected billion, no, trillions of people. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, What's the world population? Like that's what I'm is, saying. What is the world pop? Is it it's not even it a, just, just hit eight billion like three yeah. weeks ago? <laughs> oh now that would be a overpopulated planet, man. He said trillions of people. Like, what are you, are you talking about the universe? What the fuck? <laughs> the universe. <laughs> yeah, man. Trillions of people, but yeah. I mean, but that's how many records he probably sold to unsuspecting. He just made pretty packaging. And, you know, he was talking about crack and geez, selling crack. Yeah. Like, I mean, geez, bud. Oh, no. at least, good, I mean, no. at least he didn't say he loved Hitler. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, the whole Hitler, the homoerotic thing, um, you know, Salvador Dali had a painting, uh, one of his famous, pa not famous, but one of Salvador Dali's paintings is of Hit Hitler masturbating. Did you know that? I did. I bet Kanye bought it. Um, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like that, that. That's maybe that's where Alex got this homoerotic thing. But yeah, I, <laughs> I used to love like surrealism, and you know, studied it. And there's one painting that he did of Hitler masturbating. That's a bizarre painting, you know. 
Wow. You're bored. Was it, what kind of uh, was was he kind to Hitler uh, size wise? Or? Well, it's just no, you don't see it. It's it's not full frontal. It's just yeah. his back, and he's like in the in in like a snowscape. But it's surreal. But it's definitely obviously Hitler. It's bizarre. I don't even know why you would paint that. But yeah, man, it's disturbing though. You know the whole Kanye thing. Yeah, it's disturbing, and you know, I don't know. <sighs> You know, it doesn't make sense. My thing is like, is he going to be alive, you know, much longer? Once you start going down that road, you know, you're killing your career uh, completely. But it's, I mean, a lot of people predict that he's going to pass away. It's funny you say that because I've been thinking the same thing. Like this has all the hallmarks of uh, an early end. You know, at some point, either he's going to wake up and be like, you know, what have I done? What am I doing? Or I don't know, some kind of. Something's gonna happen to him. I mean, obviously, we're not wishing that on him. No, or, no, not at all. No. Or, um, but there's nowhere to go. You have to exile yourself after saying something so horrific that affects people so deeply, and then to be in public like that, you can't really be, ever be a public image ever. You know, like you can't go to a game. You know, people throw stuff at you, spit at you. Like he, you know, he might have to exile himself to a to an isolated island and just you know Epstein himself. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think he, I don't know. I don't know how that ends, but I'm going to keep watching. At the same time, I'm also sick of it. Like, yeah. I'm sick of talking about Kanye. I'm sick of hearing about him, but he keeps doing shit. It's been a record year for him. I don't know. You know, if you, maybe we, someone needs to look into his astrology because I've never seen a guy untangle his life so quickly and, and resolutely. Yeah, no, it's the biggest fall from grace in the, in the history of at least pop culture, which is just it's significant and it's it's strange. And obviously there's mental illness there because otherwise, I mean, what's the what's the other reasoning? Like, I mean, it's, is someone putting him up to doing this, you know, some bizarre like cult got a yeah. hold of him that has information and they're blackmailing him and saying, you know, you never know. The truth sometimes is stranger than fiction. You don't know. There could be some kind of force behind him. Speaking of him, yeah. Speaking of cults, I'm I'm going to do a tease for my next show. I saw. Yeah. I happened to tune into. I like Sarah Silverman. She's usually cool to us, and she's funny and all that. But like, I happened to tune into her podcast to see her talking about her reaction to Dave Chappelle on SNL. You know, she's Jewish, and I've never seen her podcast. I all of a sudden started to believe what people say that like woke hollywood is a cult because she was using this coded woke language that really i was like what the fuck like it's like she's just really? hitting these talking it was the weirdest thing i don't have the video prepared so i'm not going to talk about it today okay. but i'll do it uh you know you can come back on if you want to talk about it but oh, man. anytime man anytime i know so, we've gone a long time today but you know I, i'm down anytime dante great show great content yeah, it's been a great conversation. A lot of good TMZ stories. We got so many more uh, to come. Yeah. So definitely got to get you back here. Is there anything you want to say? Anywhere you want people to find you? No, I'm not doing the Master P promotion shit, man. I'm just the dude with <laughs> you who got have, a you, new mic, and I'm. Do you have a, to... a cereal or a bag of no. chips that with your name on it? No, no, I just w would like another job, another good full time job at some point. You know, the TMZ was a good run. I went on to Fox News after that and it wasn't the right, you know, fit for me. So uh, we're just moving on to the next. But in, in the meantime, would love to do more uh, appearances on the Dante Greco show. I love hey, it. Listen, you can always work for free here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, thank you, Joe, for joining us. Um, thank you, everybody. By the way, I talked on one of my last shows about it. I didn't even get to talk about Shooky or my oh, Annalyn yeah. McCord video. Whatever. I'll talk about it tomorrow or some shit. Um, uh, I didn't. I forgot to edit Kanye out of my outro. So if you mm. see Kanye in my outro today, do not take it as an endorsement of Hitler or, or Nick Fuentes or anything like that. This is pre, this is when he just like Trump. This is when he was a MAGA guy. Okay. So it's not me. Why don't we watch it? Fuck it. Let's watch it. We will see you soon. Much love. Thank you. Love. All right, Kanye. So once again, thank you to my brother. Tell him your name again. Dante Greco. Two words. Made in America. <laughs> Dante, you're doing great. That's good. I want you to leave my good friend Ringo alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. How, how? Pretend you're a horse in a parade. Have a good day. What do you think, Joe? Since I got you here, do you think I can keep Kanye, or is it uh, should it go? I think just keep him. It's a good edit in there, you know, and you didn't, you're not endorsing him by having him on there. He's such a famous figure that just might as well keep him. That's right. I think, I mean, yeah. Good to know. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll see how it goes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. Thank you everybody for watching. I'm going to end the broadcast. Joe, you can stick around for one second afterward, but uh, I'm going to end the live broadcast. Goodbye. Thank you everyone in the world. Trillions of people watching today.